Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. And we are officially live, just like that. Peter Kovic, thank you so much for joining us today at Fulfilling Work Life. Welcome. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's good to see you again. And you see, the, the the great thing about this show is that it's probably the only show in the world that includes uh, the two Peter Coverages that I know in the world. So uh, we had uh, our friend Peter Covage about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe. And now we have the second uh, or first Peter Covage. We don't know, right? In time, we can go back and forth. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but thank you so much again for, for joining us. Uh, we met in Budapest. Is that right? Oh, am I wrong? Yeah, where, yeah. Where at the startup suffering. All right. That was, what, two, three years ago, three years ago? Yeah. yeah. I've lost the notion of time. After, after everything that's going on with COVID, I've, I've lost the notion of time. But Peter, were you working remotely before or is remote work a new thing for you too? There was always a component that was remote, but now it became fully remote. So me personally, I'm grateful that there was no impact at all. Actually, having fully remote work now removed any of the commute I used to do. So then now there was more time. And what that allowed me is really be um, really efficient with my time. Because in the past, I would spend maybe two, three days per week from some parts of the day with clients in other offices. And so, you know, I would spend that time in there, but the rest of the day might be blocks of time that were not maybe big enough to do deep work. So now I can be fully optimized as in just set my time the way that works best. So it was, you know, a small fine tuning of a machine that was already, you know, familiar with remote work. Now the difference, however, was that now my wife also works at home. So we both have calls, so we have to kind of share the house each other that, you know <laughs> you know so uh you know it's it makes things interesting you know one day i'm in the office one day i'm in the living room one day i'm, I'm downstairs but overall it is uh you know working from home and making it work you know in a very efficient way that's that's pretty cool thank you so much for sharing for sharing that because uh i think i think everyone has to made has made a lot of uh, different sacrifices to make sure it works like for me is my wife of course working but then there's also my son sometimes like you have the three calls going on at the same time so my son is at school uh like doing his like exercises or stuff and then my wife is on a call and then it seems like so chaotic like yesterday there was a moment where i was like i'm just gonna throw my computer away because like it, it, this is not gonna work but it was like it's like these five minutes where everything just like coincide uh but thank you so much for 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 coming onto the show um why don't we start by telling uh those that are here with us today Angie, Diana, loretto those of you guys also that are listening to this on the podcast or uh youtube or whatever it is that you are listening to this um what does peter college do that's a good question peter peter does many things like when he's not working he loves travel uh, but when he's not traveling, I work with leaders to, to really, you know, leaders, executives, entrepreneurs, and high-level people who are already successful, how to get to the next plane. And, and often my clients, my 
right? either clients or people who already had this track record of success and often have an international background or are working across cultures and how to how to grow to become to that next level. And, and often that next level requires some level of personal transformation. So this is where I'm a thinking companion. So I, I journey with them uh, on this uh, on this journey of I guess discovery of finding out what is that next step. Sometimes it's you know performance, but sometimes it's people who realize that maybe they've reached a peak, but uh, they're looking for purpose or they're looking for something more meaningful. So as an executive coach, I'm I'm there to help them journey, uh, help them get to. That, uh, that that better place that they're seeking. And, and often it's not a place that they know exactly where it is. So it's more of a quest as opposed to a, a path. You know, when you know where when the end result is, it's more like project management. In that case, they don't really need my help. It's when it's that really challenging uh, um, goal or, uh, or vision they have, that's when I come in and um, I help them achieve it. Excellent. And I think there's so much mysticism around uh, coaching and executive coaching and any sort of mentorship or coaching in, in the world. Um, when, and this is my first question with everyone that comes on the show. When Peter Kovac was much younger, uh, when Peter Kovac had not yet understood uh, the words coaching, but perhaps was exploring doing it without knowing, started doing this with zero experience. What was Peter Kovacs' approach to, to, to the world when you had zero experience, when you knew nothing about this, like when you had to take the first steps towards where you are today? How, 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 did, you, how, how, how did your professional career look like at that moment or how How did you look at that moment? And what was your approach to get started on, on these things that now you call your passion? Hmm. Interesting. So your question is about first steps to coaching or just uh, my earlier professional you, life? You're, 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 how did you get started? Like in the very beginning? In the very, very oh, beginning. Okay. Zero experience, Peter. I see. I see. So my life... Pre my professional life prior to coaching. And I've, I've done coaching for a very long time, informally, even without, know, as you said, knowing what the word means. And the same way I started entrepreneurship before I knew what that word meant. I was, uh, that was um, about, when I was about 13 years old. We just moved from Canada to, sorry, from Hungary to Canada. And by the way, I was born in Hungary and I grew up in Algeria and Canada before moving to the Bay Area to open the first office of my last startup but we'll get back to that. So when I was about 13 years old, we moved to Canada from Hungary. And I remember that uh, I loved going to the movies. And you know, it was very challenging because there was a change in you know, cost of life, if you, if you see what I mean. Uh, Hungary just came out from behind the warm folds of the Iron Curtain. So level of life was very different. And so it was, it was challenging financially for my parents. And I knew that they already put everything they could. They put me in a private school and tried to you know, get a career started. So I didn't want to ask them for extra money for superfluous things like going to the movies a lot. So I felt, hmm, I have a problem. I need some money so I can go to the movies two, three times each weekend, 
if, if I think back now, it's not that much money. And back then, the movies were cheap. It's like five bucks, not uh, 12 or, or whatever it is now. And so the way I approached it was I saw people in the movies make, mo make money. So either they would sell lemonade, and, but then the way things looked in those American movies, which I now know is suburbia, was different than what, I, what it looked for me. I was in a more of a hilly place in, in close to the center of Montreal. So I thought, hey, lemonade, 50 cents? That's going to be a lot of lemonade before I can, you know, I can make some serious money. The second thing I saw them do was to mow the lawn. But in Canada, there is snow like half of the year. So what, what grass will I cut? So that, like, I thought, hmm, that's not going to work either. So then I kept like thinking, what can I do with what I have, my connections? Uh, and connections are just some friends doing stuff. And uh, one of the first things that came up was to build a BBS, a built-in board system. So that's before the internet. So I had my, my computer connected to, by, by a modem to a phone line. And during the day, it was in the, in the living room. And then it was moved to the, to the kitchen in the, every night. We connected with like a really long phone cable so that people can connect 24 hours per day. And I would charge them five bucks for one hour access per day per month. And so that was the very beginning. And it really started with just a curious mind, a, I guess, a, back then, I, in general, I had little limitation of like just oh, what, what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do. And later on, I, as a coach, I learned how to help clients get past that. But back then, it was simple. There was a, a problem, which was I need more money to make to go to the movies. I needed a solution and just find creative ways to, to, to find to solve that problem. First problem didn't work. Try the second, try the third. And uh, that's how it started. Awesome. So it's like just finding finding the way around around those things is so interesting because when I think of, of coaching, I know nothing about coaching, by the way, like nothing. I've never read a book. All I know is the halo effect. Right, like what the waves I get from people talking about it, maybe here and there, but I've never even engaged in a conversation about what coaching is with anyone until this very point that we're talking today. So, Peter, what is and and you've given us some hints of like what coaching is from from your perspective. Um, what what is what is executive coaching? So, executive coaching. So, first of all, high level, you have. You know, executive coaching is also life coaching, but life coaching is not always executive coaching. So for those who are, we've heard those other words. And so, so coaching is really, it's about asking, you know, the right questions. It's about helping the person think, like a thinking companion. Like I'm not the expert. If I work with uh, C-suite executives or whoever else, they know what they do best. But I come in, offer another perspective. I have them... I have to reflect back to them what they're saying and have them see like, oh, just what does that sound like? And I have them also realize perhaps some of the, um, the limitations that they put on themselves when it comes to identity, beliefs, uh, values. These are all things that I listen to when they speak, not to what they're saying, the words, but what is speaking, you know, what, what is the, the meaning behind it? So these are all like um, ways, some of the tools that we work together, but ultimately it's, um, it's like a, being a thinking companion. Like we journey together. I'm not leading the way. I'm helping them figure out where they want to go. And uh, where they want to go is, is really up to them. I'm there to support them wherever that may be. Now, if I see that they're about to walk off a cliff, 
I'll tell them like, hey, watch out. If it's something else that I feel they haven't thought about enough, then I invite them to think about it. But ultimately, if they make a decision to, to go that way, then it is still, you know, their choice. So it's, it's really kind of like that partnership where, you know, we journey together. I think this is the, the, best, uh, the best way to look at it. So some of these journeys can be very challenging, especially on your own. So this is why I'm, I'm there to, to help them get further. So often what happens is, you know, we are at an A, A point and you want to go to somewhere. Like the B might be the ideal scenario. And also I help them identify what this might be. Many people limit their own dreams. So have them, you know, challenge that. As we travel together, my goal is to get to a B prime, which is a B that's better than they could have imagined. And part of this here is the journey where I'm there to support them. And, 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 and that is great because putting it as a companion, it, it kind of gives me some perspective of like what the role looks like. It's not, it's not someone that tells you what to do. It's not someone that has all the answers, but it's, like a sounding board, but it's not fully involved. How involved do you think a coach gets in into like the nitty gritty of like the executives, um, like li not not the life, not the personal life, but I mean the the professional life, like the company life? Uh, because I presume in that journey, um, you get to know a lot about these businesses. You get to know a lot about. You're not gonna have all the like the specifics of like a lot of the things to like run the business, but you do know a lot of the things. Um, so how how much do you get into the detail uh, uh, on those on those conversations? It depends. Uh, sometimes we stay really strategic, high level. Sometimes we get very tactical. So it depends on what the client needs. And with me, the way I work with my, my clients is part of the, the contracting in the beginning is that they are responsible for the, for the agenda. So they bring that, they see what they want to work on. And it has, there were some cases where it was really very specific where I helped them, you know, rephrase, rework some, some, some wording on, on a document to really convey a certain message, but that's more rare. Usually it's really on, on, a, on a higher level where I work with, with them to help them get out of their own way. And also sometimes to, to see, to challenge views that they might have that are self-limiting, to look at situations from a new perspective. So usually it's at that level. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I just want to give uh, people some perspective uh, uh, on what that coach might look like, um, not, not in the very specific details. But from all the conversations that you have had during COVID-19, I presume there are some common denominators in terms of like the, the blocks that people have, the challenges that they are facing, the fears that they are having. What would you say are some of the common denominators in, in the conversations? And I presume those also have evolved as COVID-19 has evolved. And I've seen this in Colombia, for example, where uh, there is a meme where like there was like one case of COVID and everyone was going crazy. It's like 10 cases and everyone's exploding. It's like 2,000 cases and everyone's just walking in the streets. <laughs> it's like today we have more daily cases that we've ever had and the quarantine it's it's like the lockdown is over <laughs> and it's like we have more daily cases today than we did before but people are just more like so I, I do know that there are like cycles so my question is really referring to like how how 
those that you are having conversations with, you know, have not navigated that, but have like expressed to you different things that are common in all of them and, and how that navigation has evolved in, in the last few months. Okay. So you're asking about the, the sort of challenges that came up yep. recently. Okay. Yeah. Well, to, to illustrate that, let me ask you a question. There is a bottle and there's a little bird that climbs into it. Now, through the opening, it's being fed some really nice food, whatever the best food from your, from your country is, you can imagine. It becomes like a nice big bird. Now, it doesn't fit anymore through the opening to get out, but it wants to get out. Now, how do you get the goose out of the bottle? But there are two rules. You cannot break the bottle. You cannot ki kill the, uh, the goose. So how, how would you get the goose out of the bottle? Uh, that's a difficult one. How do I get the goose out of the bottle? I think I have to talk to him uh, because there's no other way. I mean, if I can break the bottle or kill him, he's going to have to like get out from his head. I guess that's the only way I can think. Well, in this case, you physically have to get him, get him oh, out. But physically? I'll you, yeah, mm -hmm. the, the goose has to be out of the bottle. But I'll give, I'll give you a clue. Imagine if you are the goose. I would have to... I just have to go through that hole. I don't. I I just have to get the head out first, and then we'll see. Uh, it's, it's, I, too I, it's, it's too, too big. big. I, it's too big. Jesus Christ! Um, and I cannot break the bottle. That's the rule. I cannot kill the goose. Well, I, can I break the goose? I cannot break the goose. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna you know use proper English. So the answer is break the bottle usually i have the you know effort in the middle to properly put the the um, the emphasis but yes. you see the reason why i share this story is because often and this is what happened also here during this period is people put themselves in bottles that they create themselves they limit themselves for example somebody does a certain kind of work and with the corona with covid they would they would need to reinvent themselves or do something else but the time put us up in a bottle where they say, oh, I cannot do that because uh, I'm supposed to have this paper or, or this experience or this, you know, authorization from somebody else that you are now able to do it. But often this is on our, in our heads. So this is something that always comes up, but especially now. So some of my clients had to reinvent themselves, go online, uh, you know, up for different approaches. And I think this is maybe the main, main, main shift it, it has happened before too, but perhaps now was more, it was more important to be creative and just think outside of the box, realize when there's some self-limiting self um, belief we put, our, put on ourselves. And, and, my, and my job as a coach is to tap on the bottle. I don't break the glass. I tap on the bottle to remind them that maybe, maybe there's something outside of the bottle that they should consider and maybe they should break that bottle to get into a bigger bottle. And then this can, can start over. And, you know, this is something that also happens in people's personal lives and, and professional lives. And when I work with my, my clients, everything is on the table. Sometimes we talk about very personal issues. Sometimes it, it's work, but it's all interconnected. That, that's great. Thank you so much, because I give some perspective into what are some of the uh, 
like tools that we could use to start thinking about these things. I hope you can give us a, a few more of those because uh, I, I'm definitely going to remember that one. Um, I think there is there is one question that's coming up here uh, on on performance. Uh, maybe I just want to open it up uh, uh, to you in terms of like where you want to take that. The question really is, um, Peter, if if you feel your personal performance is better in Europe, the U.S., Canada, maybe Latin America, like where do you think your performance? It's a very interesting question because I do know it's about it's about performance. Uh, and thank you, thank you for for asking that question. I, you need to change your name. It's someone that calls himself fulfilling work life. So it's really hard for me to know what's his name, but he's asking about your personal performance. Where do you think you perform best? So in my case, given my international background, so growing up in three countries and as many continents, and also always having this interest around cross-cultural work, understanding other cultures. And, and the way it started is when I was in Algeria at age from four to seven, I saw people who looked very different. The uh, women there had this white, uh, you know, sheet they would wear and I would only pick up with one eye to see where they're going. And so that to, look, to me looked like ghosts. And I was curious, like, why people do what they do? And I sought to answer that question from the get-go. So I've always been very, very, very interested in understanding why people do what they do. And so I, I developed uh, what's called cultural intelligence, which is the ability to relate and work across cultures effectively so like emotional intelligence now we know it's important for leadership if you lead across cultures or work across cultures cultural intelligence which is a relatively new concept is also very important so this allows me to operate in any culture so what what happens is i am able to understand what i need to understand about the other cultures i already have a mental framework of what are the differences and similarities between cultures so i can serve a client from the middle east from south africa from Colombia, from, from Singapore or Hungary just as well, as long as we have a common language. So when I do my public speaking or coaching or whatever else, it can be French, English, Hungarian. So if any of those, then that works well. Uh, you know, you asked me about like some of the other tools that I can share. This is, so there's a few, yes, few tools or, or perspectives that I think uh, would be very useful. So maybe I, I can share some of those. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Especially if those lead to performance, that'd be fantastic because I think that's what most oh. of, of the audience will love. Excellent. Excellent. So often, you know, what happens is that we start our lives just how the society is. We start from a place of, you know, self-interested, status-seeking, scarcity and survival. So this might sound familiar to many of you. This is when, oh, what can I get? Oh, and you focus on yourself. It's about you want to look good at all costs. I know I used to be like that. And also, you want to play it safe. But what this sometimes leads into, you maybe climb a, a ladder that you, you climb it, but you end up on the wrong wall. So this is what I call failing by succeeding. So you succeed in climbing a ladder, but you fail because this is not what you wanted. Now, there's another way of approaching things, which is to look at from, from essence. And I'll explain what that is. Essence, abundance, service, and trust. This is where, you know, what you look at is, Okay, it was good for, for you, it's good for me, and what can I give? Uh, you know, even if you, look, if you don't look like super good, it's okay. And that there's more than enough. You know, the, the way, for example, my relationship with Peter started is I met this guy, he emailed me out of the blue. Uh, he thought, we have a common friend in the Bay Area, and that person thought that he was me. So he emailed me because he wanted to meet me, of course. And I could have said no. I could have said, like, who is this? I don't know this guy. But I said, why not? 
And then when he came up, uh, I met, met with him when he came back to travel, I tried to help him as much as possible, not because I was calculating oh, what he would give back to me, just because it made me happy, it just pleased me, and it was just fun. So you see this thing, you know, share and not worried about, you know, what you might get back. So what happens is for performance is when you are maybe getting director level in a company, but it's not, you realize this is not who you want to do, then performance is really limited. When you realize when you go after something that you really, you know, are passionate about and you really care about, then performance can jump like, you know, it's like a, a spaceship going into to warp speed, you know, and, and often, the question that they invite you to ask yourself when you do something is that will this create a life that you love if the answer is no maybe reconsider would this be of true service and also who will you become these are very important questions that kind of really hone in on on where you want to go and the by the coaching i do the approach is and my, my mentor is amazing person who is a, a faculty at singularity university called robert ellis amazing he helped me really fine-tune how I do my coaching and you know coming from a sense is meaning it's not like the form like you are a director you are you are you are or whatever it's, it's like the sense is something that you already are it's like the you know the you know the gifts that you have for the world in a way you know like all your kind of your personality in a way it's, it's hard to describe but it really is when you are aligned with who, who you're meant to be then the performance is a it gets to the next level because there's no friction, there's no resistance. Now, to get there, it's a journey and you have to know how to journey, meaning you don't know where you're going to end up. So some engineers, sometimes they're, they're, they're stressed out because like, I, I haven't planned out the whole, the, the whole world, the whole path, but that's okay. Because what happens is you have to trust. So first of all, you have a call to adventure, the way I call it. Some of you might be familiar with the, the journey, the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell. Now, this is another take on it. In my case, what happened is when I was building my third startup, there was a call. It's like, mm, life could be more than this. Now, many of these calls you can accept or you can refuse. Like there's some, some cases, some projects, there was a call like, hey, join this new project you haven't done before, you could refuse. If you have a disease like cancer, it's a call that you cannot refuse. So when, you know, maybe some of your listeners have heard this call of like, maybe there's something more, maybe, maybe there's this project that's, that's very intriguing. Now, there's many things that hold us back before we can jump in. It's called the, you know, thresholds, the different thresholds. There's threshold of silliness, which is, oh, how will I look if I try this? The threshold of trust, will it be okay? Will I survive? The threshold of sanity, I'm like, oh, will I go crazy? Is it going to be too difficult? Threshold of knowledge is like, do I know enough? And you see, that's kind of like a bottle. Just yesterday, I was having a chat with a friend who, who would be advising, and, and she's the go-to person among her friends. And I asked her, why don't you become a coach? And she says, oh, but how do I start? Uh, do I, I don't have this paper. And I told her, you've been coaching people for a very long time without realizing it's coaching. So you see this, again, you know, the bottle comes back. And there's also the, the threshold of love which is, will people love you if, if they realize who you really are about? Now, once you get on it, you know, this journey, you have, you know, trials. Now, what, once you come back, you have, you come back with boons, which is a gift, uh, lessons. Either you succeed, which is great, and, and you know how this, this new universe works, or you learn. Some people call it failure. I call it a lesson. 
you come back and then you know the world before and you know the new world, this new world that you wanted to get into. Now, some tools on journey. First of all, sometimes you will be in a, in a, in a, in a situation of discomfort because you don't know yet. Now you can give up, which is the easy way out, or you can stay with it. Part of knowing how to journey is to know when that piece, that place of, of, of pressure is where you're meant to be. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Now, one more tool and another tool that helps kind of like guide, what I, what I call is uh, optimize for serendipity. And that's how I met Peter, how, that's how I met you. What happens is you go through life and there are these moments, like maybe every second is like a moment, something could happen. Now, if you put yourself out there to, to, to go to more places, meet more people, say yes to more events, there are more, more opportunities for, for situations, for events, for moments. And some of them, maybe one in a million is like a really like a miracle. So the more moments, the more chances of something special happening. Now, sometimes it's just pure chance. Sometimes you're curious. And that's how I met Peter. I was curious about this email that looked like spam because it was my name, except it had the Hungarian accents. So, hmm, Hungarian spammer, let me check. The other way of, of, of doing optimizing for serendipity is making connections. When somebody invites me to something, I almost always say yes. And finally, you can be more, more, more deliberate. It's about wondering and wondering. You know, just go through life and be curious. Like, oh, what's over there? Sometimes, you know, maybe you follow your, uh, your, your, your sense of smell, like downtown uh, San Francisco, I did this once. It led me to this bakery that was amazing. It was, didn't look like anything from outside, but it was very, very good things inside. So you see, these are all different tools you can do so that when you go from A, to B, you helps you get to the B prime. You know, it's one step, one step, one step. And then, you know, sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you get to B sub, and this is where it's a lesson. Some people call it again, failure, but then, you know, B prime maybe becomes A, and then you go on the journey. So you see, so these are like small concepts that I use to, to guide the person. Sometimes we go in, we go down, we go up. And, and I think the, the last thing that, the last piece of the puzzle and for this, I'll ask you another fun question. Oh, God. Is has to do with uh, the Empire State Building. Break the bottle. Can, Break the bottle. Break the fucking bottle. <laughs> <laughs> this time, it is uh, something edible that, that's linked to it. The, um, you can knock over the Empire State Building with 29 dominoes. Now, what you should know is that one domino can knock over another domino that's one and a half times its size. So the question for you, how small is the first domino? It cannot be what? So one, dom one domino can knock over another one that's one and a half times its size. That is one and, and a half one, times. Yeah, so, so one meter can knock over one and a half, half meters and so on. And then, you know, you go from zero to, sorry, from whatever the first one to, to 29 dominoes, the 29 is 300 meters high. So how small is the first one? The large one is 300 meters. So yeah. it cannot be, so, oh, and it cannot be one and a half times the other one, right? It has to be. Yeah, so you have, let's say you have 300 meters. So the one before would be like, uh, you know, divided by one and a half. 
So in short, 29 dominoes, one, let's see, if the first one is one, then one and a half, then one and a half times one and a half. So, so the first one, how, how big do you think? Just like, you know, wild guess. Wild guess. Um, I, don't, I don't think it matters. I, I, in my mind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> in my mind, it just have to, it, it, I, just have, I just have to push that one. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So for, for, for the audience who maybe they have a guess, often people guess like maybe one meter, half a meter. One I was going to guess 10 meters. 10 meters? Okay. Yes, that was going to be my guess. So there, and by the way, uh, you said I can share uh, a video like on my screen. Like, yes, for please, the, please, please, of course. Excellent. So actually, I'm going to show you the video, which is going to reveal what the answer is. So one moment. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes, but what you may not know is that a domino can knock over another domino, which is about one and a half times larger. So what I have here is a chain of dominoes. Each one is one and a half times larger than the previous one. And the smallest domino is about five millimeters high and one millimeter thick. And I will carefully place it. And there are 13 dominoes. And the largest domino, it weighs about 100 pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. That was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. So as you saw, the first one is actually the size of a Tic Tac. You, you know what a Tic Tac is, right? Yes, 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 the tiny ones. Five millimeters. So here, the, the reason I shared this with you is, oh, hold on. The reason why I share this with you is that Many of us, you know, have a goal, like let's say the person who wants to be more successful, more fulfilled, they have this, they imagine this life of like, oh, I don't want to work nine to five. I want to have lots and lots of money and I want to do something meaningful and whatever it is. It might seem like a really, you know, big, overwhelming goal. Then they go try to, to knock over domino number 15. They try, they try, it doesn't work and then they give up. So what happens is you have to focus on what is your first domino and, you know, what I shared with you, with you, all these different, um, you know, tools, I do this with my clients as well. So we have a shared language. So when, you know, in session six, seven, when I see that they're like trying to push over domino number seven, I tell them, no, no, no. What is your number of first domino? And what is the first domino? It is the biggest, smallest task that you can do. Now, it has to be the biggest that you can, big, biggest, it has to be meaningful has to move the needle forward but at the same time it has to be the smallest so that your success is assured so you know focus what the figure out what the first one is then you you knock that one over and you then focus on the second one and when you when you focus on the first one like don't stress about the the next steps don't worry about uh, or will i succeed in the end don't be attached to a specific outcome focus on two things in uh, intention and action intention is you want to go toward b you trust that you will get to some kind of B, either you learn something or it's going to be awesome. 
And action is, okay, well, I have one domino to knock over. I'm going to do this now. The same way as you do an interview question, you know, focus on one question. Don't worry about if you get the job or not. And so one domino at a time, the second and third. And this is how you knock over the Empire State Building. As you saw, you went from five millimeters to 300 meters in 29 steps. Most things are the same way, like a startup. You know, if you have, a, you know, you want to have the next unicorn, there is a domino that is the first one that is small enough. Figure out what it is and knock it over. That, that is great. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Because in my mind, I was like, I don't know what size would be the domino. I just want to push the one that I can push to push the next. Like, I, I, just, I just need to push the one that I can handle. Uh, whether that's one meter or 10 meters, like, I just want to make sure I can push it. Uh, but, but, and, and, and this is super great because as you were speaking about this, then I was thinking about uh, uh, that, that moment where you said, make sure you, you, your success is assured. And I think, I think there is this duality, especially in, in high achievers, I would say, uh, where, where, or, or ambitious professionals. And I would consider myself an ambitious professional. Like I have, I have big ambitions. And perhaps this is going to turn now into a, into a, a free coaching uh, moment for, for me with Peter Kovach, Um where I do know there are many, and like it's not one domino, like we can, of course, there are many things that are around that I could be pushing. There are so many levers that I could be using to, to move forward. But there are some times when there is this one lever that you see it and you know, you, you, you think you know what you need. And um, it's perhaps something you've never done before, but it, like the elements that it requires for you to accomplish it, you've done it. Let's say, for example, you're going to launch a, a conference. Let's say you're going to launch a music festival and you've never, I've never done that, for example. I've never like promoted a conference or a music festival, but I know certain things to promote other things that I have done. But then the imposter syndrome comes and says, you, I, I, I don't think you should push that domino. I, I don't, don't think you, you, I don't think you have what it takes to push it. Um, what are some tools that, that, you can, that you can share with us this morning that can allow us to confront those, those ideas or, or really think through whether or not our success is being assured there or, or, if, we, if, or if I'm not thinking it in the right way, I think, I think that would be a really, really, really powerful tool for us this morning. Yeah. So, you know, the success is assured, you know, find a, uh, a step that is small enough that the success is assured. Now, success in the overall, you know, the B that you're heading for, that is, so success is assured in one form or the other. So it's not clear in what, what it will look like. It's not necessarily the clear or when it will happen, but there'll be success. Now, often what happens is you imagine what it should look like, but when you get there, if you get to be prime, which is better than you could have imagined, is actually not what you're looking for. What's also possible is that you thought you wanted to be director of whatever, but then as you climb, it's like, oh, that's not the, the, the ladder I want to climb. So we jump off, get to the next one, start climbing. So there's this duality there of like, okay, there's one step at a time. And even, if, even in the worst case, even if you pick the wrong domino that is too big, so what? When, you know, the, what people call failure, it, is, is, um, is something that you learn. So then you learn that that domino is actually too big, so there was a smaller one. Now, as far as imposter syndrome, so that's a very interesting topic because everybody has it. And what most people don't realize that the higher you go, 
the more people have it. So, you know, you would think like a CEO or a, 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 top, a top actor who's getting paid $20 million, he has 20 million reasons to think that he's good. They still have imposter syndrome. And the way this happens is you have your identity and you have your capability. And most of us, our capability is climbing faster than our identity. So there's a disconnect. Now your goal is to increase your, your identity to match or get closer to your identity. Now, if your identity is higher than your, your capability, then you are an imposter. So it's not imposter syndrome, you are an actual imposter. Now, most of us are like this. So when this happens, you know, when you feel that, oh, you have you know, maybe a bottle like holding your back, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. I don't have the you know, piece of paper, the training or, or whatever else. Then remember, keep in mind that actors, like actors who get paid $20 million for per movie have this. Now, do they let that stop them? No, because what they do is they focus on what they would love to create. So when you have this moment of like, oh, should I do it? Should I do it not? There's a very simple question to answer. What would you love to create? And I chose those words very carefully. It's about, it's not about, oh, I would like this. No, what, what you would love. And when it comes to creation is really, you know, that future you created. So, you know, this comes with practice. Maybe the first time it doesn't, you know, fully get there, but this is how you kind of, how, how, you, how you reorient. Peter, this is super insightful. I, I, I think this is, this is great. I think in the future, uh, we should have a proper webinar with uh, some very VIP guests of a Fulfilling Work Life and Trabajando El Futuro, which they're showing in the morning. And I think we should get some really good questions going our way uh, and do this in a different format. Maybe we can think about this uh, uh, after. Uh, optimizing for serendipity is one of the big lessons that I'm taking from these. Uh, finding that one step that you can take, finding your small domino, it's, it's another one. Um, and then asking yourself, what would you love to create? And then I just wrote it down because I was like, what would I love to create my family? What would I love to create at the organizations that I'm helping? What would I love to create in my overall professional career? I think those are questions that are really deep and shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, so I, I, I'm grateful for, for, for those questions that you've shared. I think Mefrael has uh, a question that it's perhaps related to, to, to that. And I don't know to what level you could answer it, uh, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it out. Um, Mefrael, he's saying, how, how is your product management process from idea to launch look like? Or what would be your recommendation? How much time do you invest in problem space and solution space? What are you focused on as an executive and what is your opinion on methodologies like jobs to be done, outcome-driven innovation, opportunity solution three, double diamond, predictive analytics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting question. Yeah. So when it comes to product management, what I've personally done, so this is maybe a bit outside of coaching, is um, you know, in, in tech, so built a number of companies. So the, the frameworks that are out there, like the circles method is really good. I really, really like using that one. Uh, but as, as a coach, it really, really depends on this. And you know, my coaches in all, all areas, in areas where I don't know what the best practice is, like healthcare, I have uh, really like all over the place. So in, as, a, as a coach, what I do in that case is to 
to guide the client. So the client knows the industry, knows the space, has the tools. And I help them use those tools, but also in a way that when we talk to, if they ask, if they want to work tactical with me or like, you know, high level, maybe very, you know, nitty gritty, then I have them think through things. So maybe they share with, with me their thought process and I listen to a, a few things. The, these are called, and when, when I said earlier, what's, what's speaking. So when it comes to coming back to success, there's um, this, what, this is called, you know, the uh, levels of creation. So you have some external things that could influence what happens like behaviors, environment, do you have the right people around you, the right tools and whatnot, but most of it is inside. So this is your capabilities, which is what you learn as skills. You have values, you have beliefs, you have identity, and then you have above that vision, purpose, and whatnot. Most of my work is from, you know, the identity down. So what happens is when somebody says to me something like, oh, I am not, or I am, oh, I am not uh, qualified for this because I don't have this uh, certificate. That's identity. If somebody this says, uh, oh, you know, this uh, John, he's, 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 he's always late, then I know that he values punctuality. And, you know, capability, then it's like, do you, do you know how to, you know, maybe do Python or whatnot? So when I work with a client, I'm, I'm listening to this to see, is he putting himself in a bottle? Is there some kind of value that comes there? And if somebody says, let's say, the, the conversation from yesterday, the person says, oh, uh, but who, who am I to help these people? I don't have the certificate to tell me that I'm a coach. You see, that's, you know, imposter syndrome first. Second, it's a bottle. And so what, what I told them as a coach is not like, you're wrong. I pointed out like, hey, you know, that's a belief. And then I asked them, like, is this true? And then she thought like, well, uh, people always come to me. Like, even like last time I had my birthday and this person called me and said, oh, sorry, I don't want to, you know, bother you with your birthday. And then she says, look, I'm in bed already. Why don't we talk? And for an hour and a half, she had that person. So already, you know, she did it. Like, and, and you know, this actually, uh, sorry, like one of the things I, I tell people is start before you're ready. And that's what she did. It's like she started just doing, doing, serving, focusing on what she would love to create before she had all the, uh, the other pieces. And then, you know, you get there. And identity-wise, often it's get the identity right. Like, let's say somebody who wants to be a product manager. I tell them, you are a product manager already. Now, how good? That's another story. You are just a new one, but you are. So once you have that identity, then everything else, you know, falls in, into place automatically the same way as somebody wants to, let's say, work out and they're lazy, one thing is to put like the shoe by the door. But another one is to tell them, look, you are an athlete. What does an athlete do? An athlete eats well, works out regularly. So then because it's part of the identity, then automatically it's, it's a much less of an effort to do what you want to do. Now, obviously don't apply to the Olympics tomorrow, but it's just for you. Like, okay, you know, if you have that mindset, you have the nice, you know, Adidas shirt that makes you feel like all special. And then, you know, it helps you with the regularity, you know, the nutrition and all the choices you make because of your identity. I hope that answered the question. I know I, I went I, a little bit on, on the answer. No, I, 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 th I think it does because it, it's like before you start, like there, there, there are some steps that you have to, there, there are things you have to take care of before you start trying to, uh, before you start thinking about how good am I? It, it almost seems like the imposter syndrome comes from, this need to to be recognized as something <laughs> that we identify ourselves with uh, and it's like oh i'm this amazing ceo i'm this amazing athlete i'm this amazing musician and it's like 
before before all of that, like, is that what you want? Before all of that, there are so many questions, and I know Oluwajoba Bailo um, as like if you could throw more light into capabilities versus identity. And that's very interesting because you just answered that when you said you are, you are an athlete. You are this, this thing that you, you want to be a musician and you play the guitar and you're horrible at it and you're a terrible singer. You are a musician. How good you are at it, that is another question. And how good you are at it, how, how did you get to that conversation of like, how good am I at what I think I am? So there's several interesting things you raise. So when it comes to the being a musician, for that one, you know, coming back to intention, you want to be a good, you know, uh, person. You want to create great, you know, songs or whatever it is. Now, how you get there might be different. So in the beginning, you might think that your B is to be good at guitar, but maybe you just don't have talent for that. But what happens is you are on a journey, you know, oh, guitar doesn't work. Uh, you know, singing doesn't work. Oh, I'm good at drums. And, you know, I love African drums. You know, West African drums, I wonder, was at this concert, amazing. And I have very bad singing. I'm very bad at, you know, my, my voice is really bad. It breaks glasses, you know. But uh, drums, maybe I can do. So it's about, you know, the intention. You know, your journey, it's a quest. It's, it, it isn't a path because you, you don't know exactly where you're going to end up, but you have an intention because you're passionate about uh, creating, uh, you know, great songs or whatnot. So in this case, it might end up differently than you think. The B prime might be drums or, 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 or a piano instead of guitar, but you end up there because you focus on what you would love to create. So, so this is on one aspect. The other aspect is what you mentioned earlier about like, oh, I want to you know, look good, the title and everything else. That comes down to, you know, are you creating from a place of self-interest, statistics, scarcity and survival? Where if you remember, one of them was look good at all costs. Now, if you get out of that, if you opt out, then you don't have to worry about that because then you're on the other side is you focus on being of service. You know, this is the, the, uh, the other mode is being, you know, focus, uh, live, live from a sense, abundance, service, and, and trust. And one of the, the parts here is you're okay, even if you don't look good. But here, what happens is if you focus on serving the other person, then the focus is away from you. You're not focusing on how do I look? Because it's like you're serving the other person. And if you have a family, loved ones, when you have them, you, you might remember how that feels. It feels good, first of all. Second, you, you forget about you. You know, like uh, in the same way when, when, I'm, when I go to networking events, and maybe in a moment we can uh, I give some tips on that as well. When, I, when I'm at a, at a networking event, I focus on serving the others around me to connect them and create a space for them to be comfortable. Because I, I know I'm comfortable at, at networking events but I know not everybody is. So I create a space and often I forget to introduce myself. Like I talk to this person, somebody else comes, like, hey, come join us. I bring them up to speed on the conversation and then introduce them. I like, you know, kind of highlight each person's, you know, high, you know what, what greatness they have to the other person. And after a while they look at me like, and who are you? You know, and why don't you, what's your name? And then that's when I realized that I've been so focused on serving the others I forgot about my, myself, which if you think about it, this is the obvious, sorry, the, the opposite of what many people do. They show up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an event, business cards, try to distribute as many as, as they want, uh, as they can, sorry, without really thinking about like, who am I serving? Uh, you know? So that can be the, the shift. 
And, and, and this is fantastic, uh, Peter Kovac, with us today. If you are interested in working, learning more about what Peter Kovac does, where can we find it? Where can we find uh, content that, that you are created? Where, where can we learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, my website is uh, cqsavvy.com. That's uh, cqsavvy, S-A-V-V-Y. I'm sure it's going to be in, in the, the notes. There's a blog there where I write regularly. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, email. My email is peter at cqsavvy.com. And if you have any questions about this, I'm happy to have a conversation, happy to answer them. Uh, you know, again, I come from a place of, of service or whatever, whatever I can do for you, especially during this coronavirus, what I've been done doing is really to see who I can help um, Tourist, tourist challenges, challenging, sorry, challenging times. So the same way as if I can, if there's a small thing I can do for you to make your life better or happy to a challenge, it will be my pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, Peter. I think you've been super gracious with your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. I think we have several nuggets that are going to be shared through social media at several different times on the podcast. We'll make sure uh, to put on the notes uh, as we did uh, your email as well as the website. And uh, you will always be very welcome uh, at Fulfilling Work Life. Thank you so much for, for what you have done for, for a lot of the guys that are here today. And, and I hope that you all have enjoyed us uh, as always. I definitely agree with you, Olu Wadjoba. Uh, it was worth our time. Uh, and, and Peter, if we could be of service to you at some point uh, we are here to help as well thank you thanks for having me it, it was a pleasure excellent okay everyone thank you so much we're coming to an end of the week remember tomorrow 9 a.m again we're going to be talking to andrea herrera she's the head of the texas alliance for minorities in engineering amazing conversation again uh, we're gonna come out of that as inspired as we are today uh, tonight uh, we're gonna have yet another uh, conversation and um, um, remember if you speak espanol and you like to be there it's gonna be 7 p.m uh, central time we're gonna be talking to adam ramirez from green fluidics he's this guy is doing agriculture for the space this is amazing uh, but it's gonna be uh, another great conversation peter this was super inspiring thank you so much and thank you everyone and see you later bye-bye ciao Thank you for listening and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.